When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the OG Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. It's Thursday, so you know who's with me. The human wet blanket, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? You going back to using that on every introduction now or what? Well, you know, I mean, with the shoe fits. <laughs> I don't think it's fit much lately. That's just the way it's been. It's not anything personal. Yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of that going around. Um, Please rate, (laughs) review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel. Going to get into a few things today. Of course, we're going to talk about Trey Lance and the quarterbacks. Yes, we are. It's the biggest storyline with the 49ers. We can talk about some of the other stuff in the game coming up this weekend, and we will. But the quarterback stuff, you know, it's kind of a big deal. I'm just going to say that. And it continues to churn there's always a new development in the story levin and let's just dive right into it right now i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I was a little disappointed in Kyle Shanahan yesterday when he was specifically asked by Jack Hammer. And shout out Jack Hammer for asking this question. If he had a response, if Kyle had a response to the criticism that Trey has taken, specifically Michael Lombardi saying that when Trey's mama picked him up out of the crib, he didn't have quarterback instincts. And Kyle Shanahan said, basically, it comes with the territory. He didn't defend Trey Lance. He didn't say that was a dumb take. He said, basically, it comes with the territory. I thought that was a little screwed up. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say it right, right here. What I said on Twitter. I don't think Kyle Shanahan gives two f- what's going on with Trey Lance. He is out. 
He is I all agree. the way out. I don't think he cares about Trey Lance's development anymore. I think he thinks Sam Darnold is better, and I think he thinks that Brock Purdy is this, you know, godsend one in a million lottery ticket that they hit in the seventh round. And I think he's all in on Brock Purdy. And if something happens to Brock Purdy, he feels more confident in Sam Darnold. And so he does not care whatsoever about people criticizing Trey Lance, about what's said, whether it crosses a line or any of that. He doesn't care about Trey Lance's feelings. I it just to me, it confirms what has been rumored all offseason that Kyle Shanahan is out on Trey Lance, and I think it's become pretty clear. We have seen this team go to the mattresses for Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle has talked about the criticism of Jimmy Garoppolo. All the players have talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. When they want to defend someone, they do. They went to the mattresses for Javon Kinlaw when he got into the thing with Grant Cohn. Again, if they want to defend someone, they do. And so far, the only person Well, there's two people, actually. But the only player that's defended Trey Lance is a guy that's not even on the damn team anymore, and that's Raheem Mostert. And if you didn't see uh, what Raheem Mostert said, I'll see if I can pull it up quickly. And credit to him. I mean, he he played one game with Trey Lance, and then he got hurt, and that was the end of that. But I give him credit for actually speaking up and coming to Trey's defense. Uh, Let's see. Why do I always click the wrong link here? I'm trying to be all (laughs) smooth, and I can never do it. Uh, Smooth and you do not go together. Come on up. Shut up, Richard. Raheem <laughs> said, hey, man, y'all need to stop disrespecting Trey Lance like this. This is crossing the damn line. Everyone has something to say but can't back up their own BS. Good on Raheem Moster. Where's everybody else? Where's George? Where's mm-hmm. IU? Where's Debo? Where's where's Armstead? Bosa. Well, Bosa's not in camp, but any of these dudes, any of them. Kyle Juszczyk said Lance is beloved in the locker room. Then why are they letting the, the vultures just pick at this guy? Yeah, I mean, actions speak louder than words, right? So far, what they say publicly is, oh, no, we we love Trey. We got nothing against him. But their actions are trumping that by showing they do not care. They are not in on Trey Lance. Trey Lance is not one of the boys. He's not part of that fraternity. He He's out. Brock Purdy is. And there is uh, an area I'm not quite willing to go yet on it, but – it is alarming how quick Brock Purdy got into that boys club and Trey Lance has not been able to. Now, I don't think Brock Purdy was ever the, hey, that's the guy here to replace Jimmy, even though that's kind of what's happened. So that might be a big part of it is that they all saw Trey as that's the guy that they, they're bringing in to replace our guy. And Brock was just kind of like he saved our bacon after Jimmy went down. Not the same situation. So that might be part of it, but – uh, I, I do question why is Trey not part of the group and Brock Purdy was, you know, initiated right away the moment he became a starter. Because I think the emotional attachment to Brock for saving the season has quickly ingratiated him with that locker room. Cause they all thought it was going to be a wasted year when everybody went down. And the fact that it wasn't to me, I think kind of like super sped up that credibility in the locker room. That that is possible. Just but, say you're but, right, right. Just say it. We all know you can admit it. It's fine. I think that plays a role, but I don't think that's all of it. I, there is something inherent, and I think it's because in Brock Purdy they can see themselves. They see a similar background. He has similar interests and and a life that they can relate to. I don't think Trey Lance has the same. 
I think Trey Lance's interests outside of football probably don't align to the good old boys that exist with the 49ers. And I wanted to address this because I agree. I disagree with with this sentiment. And Akash isn't the only one that said it, but he's the tweet that I saw that I responded to. But it isn't, isn't about him specifically. It's about what he's talking about. Akash said, imagine thinking Kyle Shanahan cares about what person X is saying on first take or undisputed. Can't believe he was asked about it. It's not his responsibility or the team's responsibility to respond or give credence to what anyone's saying outside of the building. Yes, it is, Akash. It absolutely is. If you give a crap about that player. And and you're not, like, the idea that, well, if you comment on it, you give it credence. These are coming from national reporters and analysts. There's no further elevation that you give something if you comment on it. It's already a national story. It's already a national comment. Like, so that idea I disagree with. But it has to do with your relationship with the players because the players see this stuff. They do, whether they scroll on social media themselves or whether someone sends it to them. And people send them stuff all the time. George Kittle told me his mother sends him negative stuff. (laughs) Trey Lance himself told me in an interview that you can go on YouTube and watch that sometimes people send him stuff. So they see this stuff. So let's not act like they're immune to it. They absolutely see it, even if they publicly deny it. Okay. And so when your team doesn't respond to this stuff, it sends a message and it could send a good message. If you say, if you see your coach saying, Hey, this is bogus. This is, these people are idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. That sends a positive message. And what have we been saying about Trey Lance? That he's, has a confidence issue. It's a crisis of confidence, right? Well, how about giving your guy some confidence and, and getting people to back off a little bit? What is the harm in that? There's no, it's zero risk, all reward. And yet the 49ers won't do it. So I agree with what you said. It shows that they are out. I mean, I responded to that tweet and I said, why do they have a PR department then? And the PR <laughs> department is not small and is not unimportant. Like I, I worked for an NBA franchise as an intern, that PR department, has as much say and pull within a front office as any department other than the top execs. They control the narrative that is out there. They control what the team is showing publicly. They are very important. And I'm sick of, I'm going to be honest here, I'm sick of some of the content creators constantly going to bat for the team and just playing cheerleader. Be honest. Don't play cheerleader. Take every situation for what it is as best as you can. Yes, sometimes things cross a line and the team needs to respond. You're going to argue maybe Kyle Shanahan doesn't need to, but the team does. There needs to be somebody from the team that puts something out, whether it's just the 49ers, Jed York, John Lynch, or Kyle Shanahan. Somebody high up needs to come forward and say, hey, that crosses the line. You don't talk about people's mother because that did cross a line. It was just such a bizarre... And they respond to so many things that are less than that. And that's what bothers me. And that's the truth of the matter. The team has responded to things that are less critical than that, that didn't invoke uh, uh, the player's family. And yet they're not responding to this. So let's call it what it is and not play cheerleader. I was... That... The Lombardi thing was just so bizarre. Just from everything about it, like one babies don't have quarterback instinct (laughs) and just the fact that he was like his mama picked him up from the crib like there was undertones there that i the mama part yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it was it was really really weird and i thought it did cross a line and i thought somebody should have said something about it but there was somebody 
who said something about Trey Lance, who did defend Trey Lance. And that was somebody that I think is in a, in a unique position and really can relate to what Trey Lance is going through. And that's your boy, Levin, Steve Young, who was on KNBR and I thought offered the perfect defense of Lance. And everybody was saying, oh, you can't process it and all this stuff. Listen to Steve Young on KNBR defending Trey Lance. I don't know that it's that he can't, he's not seeing it. I think what's happened is he's now squeezed where every throw is a, is a referendum on whether he's any good or not. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a lot of college or even pro, you know, money in the bank, not, not literal money, but just that you know, the ability to kind of go out and play and show people what I can do. And so there's all this expectation and, and aspiration and fear and anxiety. And every time I go out for a series, something great's got to happen. And all of a sudden, you know, you're not free. You're not relaxed. You're pressing and you're, and you're pressing every throw. And all of a sudden, you're, you're late for a throw, and then you get sacked, and you go down, and you're like, holy crap, how many bad things can happen? So you get into a bad spot. He's, you know he's competent, but now Trey's in a spot where he has to go out every practice and try to prove that he's worth hanging in there with. And that's a tough spot to be in. I completely agree. Every time Trey Lance plays, he's got to throw an 80-yard touchdown pass. And I think it, it is affecting him, and I think it would affect anybody. See, I... This is gets into the biggest theoretical in sports history that fascinates me. How much of a quarterback succeeding is being in the right place to where they can build up until the point that they know they can do it. And how many quarterbacks out there could have been these great, you know, multiple pro bowlers, maybe even hall of fame quarterbacks, but the circumstances they went into destroyed their confidence and how much of it is if you're actually a hall of fame quarterback, you'll overcome that, right? That's a theoretical that can never be answered. We don't know. And that's where we're at with Trey Lance. So I can't I can't say for certain that Steve Young is right or wrong on that because that's the theoretical that is unanswerable to me that's always fascinated me since I was a kid. How much of it is a quarterback failed because of their circumstances and then even when they went and got a second chance, they were still affected by all the psychological things that worked in – you know, and, and that they were slower to process because they didn't trust things because of the situation they were. You know, it's, you know, when when you have trust issues with one team and you go to a second team, you can't necessarily just instantly get past those trust issues. And I think we see that a lot with quarterbacks. Now, Trey Lance isn't on his second team, but it certainly seems clear that he's going to need a second team to have that chance. Is it that Trey Lance just isn't good enough that he doesn't trust and he has trust issues that are inherent to him and he's unable to come overcome those and trust the system, which we know Kyle Shanahan wants, or is it the circumstances that Trey Lance had destroyed his confidence because it came into a situation where he was put in as the prized number three overall pick that they traded three first round picks for, but we're not giving you the reins because we have this other guy that's super beloved and we're keeping him in the locker room. So you can't become the leader. You can't instantly have this confidence and show it and show out and so now you had to sit and kind of bring yourself down so you're not stepping on the guy's toes that's actually playing as a rookie and now that he's gone you're trying to come back to what you were but you're human and you can't get the you know how how much is what i don't know and that's the truth of the matter i don't think anybody can know they put him on the council but they did not grant him the rank of master that sort of summarizes the no they didn't even put him on the council (laughs) <laughs> they said stay in the Padwan room. 
and protect those little pad ones. Stay in there. You don't get to have any say. Let me That's, just say that didn't work out for the Padawan. Now, here, here's the scenario. If we want to make a Star Wars reference, it was Kyle Shanahan, which is Yoda, saying, yes, you're going to be in the room, but you don't get to say anything. And the whole rest of the council, which would be the veterans, saying, no, that guy can't be in here because he's not going to undermine the guy that we actually love. So he needs to go to the Padawan room. That's the scenario. I don't like this idea that, well, if Trey Lance really was the guy, then he would overcome all of this. Like these aren't robots, man. And also he's not really getting the opportunity to overcome all of this. Right. Like again, but we're some, talking- some quarterbacks do some quarterbacks have, you know, unwavering confidence and they're still going to make the dang throws. Now they might, that confidence might screw them and they make too many of the throws and they end up getting interceptions. But somebody like Baker Mayfield, you're never taking his confidence away from him. Baker Mayfield's never going to have a confidence issue because of who he is. And guess what? The problem for him is he he goes too far with it and he gets to the point of not being confident, but being cocky, you know, or a gunslinger. You know, we've seen quarterbacks out there that they want to have this gunslinger mentality and, and yet they don't truly have the skill to be that. Somebody like Jay Cutler constantly made throws that he shouldn't make because he thought he could be Brett Farr. I just, again, Trey Lance is younger than nine current rookies on the 49ers. So like if his confidence is a little shaken, I think it's understandable considering the team has never shown any confidence in him ever. They never have. They never gave him the starting job out of the shoot in 2021. And they brought back his biggest threat in Jimmy Garoppolo less than two weeks before the season started. So to me, it's hard to say Trey Lance should just be confident no matter what, when every single message that he has gotten from the team has chipped away at that confidence. Quana, thank you much for the super chat. 2024, Lance is at the podium for a different team. He's asked about his new team, and Lance says, it's just good to be somewhere I'm wanted. That's a very, very realistic possibility. That's a bet I would be willing to make. You know, yeah. Something like that will probably come out of his mouth whenever he does move on to a different team, whether or not that's a trade or just his contract expires at the end of next year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's spin it forward a little bit because we're, you know, it's Thursday now. We've got another game coming up. What does Trey Lance have to do to give you confidence in him? Because I know you told me before we went on the air that, your feeling on Trey has kind of changed a little bit. Michelle Maju told us after the game on Sunday, she's out on Trey Lance. So first of all, let's talk about that. And then I guess we can spin it forward to the game on Sunday. Tell us how your opinion has changed on Trey. So it's not that I'm out on Trey. I don't go far as Michelle does. It, it's that, you know, before I preferred Trey Lance to get an opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, go back to Brock. Now that is flipped. 
100% Brock deserves the opportunity because what I saw from Trey Lance is that he hasn't progressed at all from being a rookie. He's making the same mistakes. And you can say, well, he hasn't really gotten to play. There are quarterbacks that improve, and that's the part I disagree with you. And Jason said it specifically on Tuesday that you can't improve unless you play. Yes, you can. There are plenty of quarterbacks that were backups that learned things from being in an NFL situation that then were better. You can't become a finished product. You can't be fully polished, but you can learn things. You're telling me somebody like Tom Brady didn't improve from being a backup for a year? You're telling me How do you know? that Aaron Rodgers didn't improve from being a backup and, by the way, changing his throwing mechanics didn't take him three years? You're telling me that somebody uh, that's currently the quarterback in uh, Green Bay I know what he did as a rookie because I have a, a buddy that's a beat reporter for Green Bay, and he looked terrible as a rookie. But now in in this camp, he's looking like a polished starter. It is 100% true. You can improve as a backup. And it even goes so far. You can say, I know what their response is going to be. Well, Trey Lance barely has had any throws, so he needs tons of experience. How about Matt Castle? He had 33 throws in his college career. He sat behind Tom Brady, came in, and had – a really good first year. He had 3,700 yards that year and 10 more touchdowns and interceptions. And then a couple years later, had a Pro Bowl year in Kansas City. He barely played in college, and he didn't get any, almost any pass attempts backing up Tom Brady because Tom Brady hates to come out. He improved. You can't tell me that what you saw when he went 10-5 and five as a starter and threw for 3,700 yards, what he would have done as a rookie. How you do you can't know? improve. How because do you- rookies don't do that. There's I mean- like literally a handful of rookies in the history of the NFL that have ever been able to do that now you do need to play for certain things but in my opinion trusting the system is not one of them and that's the problem that i saw with trey lance you know you see i'm sure you saw the breakdown that jt o'sullivan did on his youtube channel yes i did trey lance had those comebacks right he had the comeback but he didn't trust the timing he wanted to see it open first and by the time you see it open it's too late on a comeback and everybody knows that from the little league level if you see it open it's too late so why yeah. isn't he trusting the system? Trust the system. If it doesn't work, what do we know that Kyle Shannon has said? If you trusted the system and the system failed you, that's not on you. That's on him, meaning Kyle Shanahan. Why can't he trust the system in year three? Why can Brock Purdy trust it as a rookie right away? Because Trey Lance has always been on a tightrope with no safety net from the second he got to the 49ers. Because they ne- there was always But is this mentality working for him or is it hurting him more? Trust the system. Take your mind out of it and just trust the system. Hold on. So that two separate things, because I agree with you. I think when he plays this weekend, and we'll talk about that, he needs to just let it rip and say, screw it, because what I'm doing now isn't working. But let me go back. He's always been, there's always been consequences for every single one of his failures. Cause in 2021, he was competing with Jimmy G and in 2022, like I said, they brought Jimmy Garoppolo back. So he's never been able to have the freedom to fail ever. He's never been able to just say, screw it. This doesn't look good, but I'm going to trust the system and throw it. And if it gets picked, I'm not going to get pulled or I'm not going to lose my chance to be the starter. He's never had the chance to do that. So that's why I think he doesn't trust it. And he doesn't know what NFL open is yet. Cause again, he's only played in four games. He needs to learn that. That's a huge adjustment from, from North Dakota state. So when he sees it, he's like, Oh, that guy's open. Cause he's used to seeing guys wide, 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 wide ass open. So I think that's, that's where we are with him. That's why I think he's not throwing it. And I don't think that gets better by sitting on the bench. I think he has to see, okay, this is what I saw in the game. Then study the film and say, okay, this is what open is in the NFL. Like, 
that's what it's going to look like from he now said on. three years of film to see that that is stuff you can learn from watching other guys oh look at when he threw it he's already throwing it and the guy's just coming back because he anticipated you can see that stuff in film and quarterbacks have made those adjustments and improved from being backups but it's different when it's somebody else's film and not your film and he hasn't been in the game to see it in the game what it looks like he's seen it in the meeting room I think it takes more time. Uh, I want we can continue this conversation, but I want to get to this super right. chat. Thank you very much, Fire the Great. Even bad teams with bad head coaches would at least show support against some of this stuff. I couldn't have been his teammate because I would have flipped. Spotlight equals being less than human, and is probably why I'm not famous. LOL. And like you can defend him without saying he should be the starter too. Like right. what I wanted to hear Kyle say is the criticism of Trey as a person is out of line. And that's what Lombardi did. Like he's taking undeserved personal criticism. If you want to criticize his game, that's totally fair. Like you and I have done that and we can disagree about that, but him as a person that to me, it's different. Yeah. That, I mean, like I said, you start talking about anybody's mother in any scenario uh, it's personal. And if you're being critical of that person, you know, you can talk about somebody's mother and say, wow, his mother really raised him. Right. You know, that's okay. But if you're being critical and you bring the mother into it, now you're kind of crossing a line. And that, that's the whole problem. Leave out of this, right? Leave people's easy? family out of this. Like, just don't bring up people's family. Unless they, unless it's like Nick Boza and his brother plays in the NFL, you shouldn't be bringing up family. Nick Ellert, shout out to Nick, YouTube channel member, big supporter. By, by the way, become a channel member for less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, and priority comment response. Levin's pretty spot on today. Yeah, it's a different, uh, it's a welcome change for you. <laughs> I was going to say, how's this different than any other day? <laughs> but but uh, let's get into the second part of that because it pertains to the game this weekend, right? He's got another opportunity. He's going to play, I think, the second half of this game. Um and I agree with what you said. And it's, it's something that I wrote about for our website, goldstandardniners.com. Trey's got to, he's got to just chuck it because he's got nothing to lose at this point because what he's been doing hasn't been working. So even if you don't think the guy is totally open, screw it, Trey, let her rip. And that's literally what Kyle Shanahan told him this week. He said, I want to see more aggressive throws from Trey. Now, see, this is where I, I differ from Michelle. Michelle's out on Trey. I still think... If Trey were to get to play, a lot of these issues would work themselves out and he would eventually get to the point of being the franchise quarterback. I still think that that has a high probability. I still believe Trey Lance has a, has the ability to be a franchise quarterback. I'm not out saying this guy will never be it, but you have to look at the situation fairly. And the situation is Brock Purdy has shown he's ready now and I haven't seen the progress from Trey Lance that I wanted so it's less likely, I think, that he can progress. It's not that, oh, he's good now, and I think he could get great. It's, wow, he's got a long, a long way to go. Maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't, right? So Brock Purdy deserves the chance to be the starter for this team. That's where I've changed. It's no longer I prefer to see Trey Lance, and then if he doesn't pan out, it's Brock Purdy. It's Brock Purdy deserves the chance, and if he doesn't pan out, they better freaking go to Trey Lance and not Sam Darnold. That, that's where I have changed. That's where my opinion is altered. And I think you have to constantly adapt and adjust to new info. And the new info here is Trey Lance isn't as far along as we thought. But I will be curious to see how he does in the second preseason game, assuming he gets the opportunity. You know, we don't, if Sam Darnold plays the entire first half and then Trey Lance comes in, even if he lights it up, people are going to go, well, yeah, it's the second half of a preseason game. Which, by the way, Pay attention to the people that say that and go back and look at what they were saying about Sam Darnold after the first preseason game. Because if they don't match, then you know there's a bias there. 
for one reason or another. But I do want to see that if he can make that adjustment, because maybe this was, I hate to say it, but maybe it was rust. Maybe it was, I'm coming back from injury. I'm unsure of myself. I'm trying to get back in into the swing of things. And he just second guessed himself. And we saw him improve drastically as the game went on. He got better and better as the game went on. So maybe he's able to pick up where he left off, which I think where he left off in that game, he was in a pretty good spot. It's just that in the beginning, he was pretty terrible. You know, I would say in the first three or four drives, you could classify that as terrible. And then he was pretty good at the end. So can he pick up and be pretty good? Or are you going to see the same issues rear their head again? So that's the question I have is like, what does Trey have to do to like just inspire confidence and make you feel like he was successful? Because I agree with what Steve Young said. Hit the timing things, the timing rounds. Like he has to throw 50 touchdowns. Like if he, if he just goes in there, like perfect example last weekend, right? What was his stat line? 10 of 15 for 112 yards and a touchdown. Take away the touchdown. Let's just say if he goes in and is 10 of 15 again and 112 yards, you know, and he's throwing the ball on time and things like that. I don't think that's going to be good enough for people. And I don't know if he feels like that's going to be good enough for him. I think he's in a mindset now where he's got to throw a touchdown every play because if he doesn't do that, then he's a failure. Then it's terrible. He's, he's not getting it. And on all this stuff, you know, he's a bust. I feel like that that's what he has to do. Otherwise people are going to do what you're talking about. Uh, second string, third string doesn't count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. When all the negative stuff in any incompletion counts and is you know proof that he can't play in the league. Let's be honest here. Probably 95% of the people that are talking, whether it's Twitter, whether it's content creators, beat reporters, whatever, they have already made up their minds one way or the other. There's the people that are out on Trey Lance and there's the people uh, like yourself that, are still pretty firmly in the Trey Lance boat, right? I think that there's a very small percentage of the people that are going back and forth and yeah, right. And so unless he is otherworldly, you're either going to get the you're going to get the confirmation one way or the other because you can skew it. If he's 10 of 15, 120 yards and he looks good, you know, he he gets the timing routes People like you are going to go, see, he improved. I think he has a real chance. He deserves more of an opportunity. He should have played the first half. And the people that don't don't believe in him, they're going to go, yeah, it was backups. Who cares? You know, it was third stringers. He's playing in the second half of a preseason game. Anybody drafted number three overall should be able to do it. But if he comes out and he's like 12 of 13 for 150 yards and three touchdowns, there is no argument to say, well, hold on here. He was just playing against third stringers, right? Anybody saying that would lose a lot of credibility. And I don't think you're going to see any of the, you're going to see some of the fans say that because some fans, you know, are never going to change. But the content creators and the beat reporters, the people that actually care about their credibility aren't going to be saying that because it would be ludicrous to say. So the only opportunity he has to change minds is to either be otherworldly like that or go the other way to where, like, if he's 5 of 15 and throws three interceptions, you're probably going to change your mind to a certain degree on him. What if he's 5 of 13 with three dropped touchdowns? I don't think those dropped touchdowns are going to get nearly the attention that the dropped right. interceptions got this week. That's what I mean. Like, there's a very narrow path for him to prove to people that he's better than what he has shown. And well, that's- this team doesn't drop passes, though. You know, that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. So I, yeah, 
uh, I'm rooting for him. So uh, you're going to join us on the Instant Reaction Show this week, which I'm excited about. Full disclosure, I'm going to be hosting on ESPN Radio from 7 to 10 Eastern on Saturday. So I will have the game on at ESPN, and I will be watching. And I'm literally going to fly home from Bristol, Connecticut, and hop directly on to the Instant Reaction Show. It's going it, it it, to be an interesting night because I work all day. I get home. I get an hour with my kid. I get her to bed. I'm recording a podcast with my family because my family does like a reviews old films from like nostalgia childhood, you know, mostly 80s, 90s things. This is one I'm recording with my siblings because it's a movie that was like always shown in my household. So I'm recording that starting at, I think, nine o'clock Eastern to 10 o'clock. So we're going to (laughs) be both doing that. And I'm going to I'm totally set it up. I'm going to have one laptop showing the game on mute while I'm recording with my family and I'm going to be watching that because I need to know what happened so I can instantly react to it. Now I'm hoping I am done recording with my family by the time Trey Lance gets in. <laughs> oh boy. Because if not, I'm going to be a terrible recording partner because I'm going to not be paying attention at all to what my siblings are saying. Well, I'm fine with that, by the way, I'm totally comfortable sacrificing your other podcast <laughs> for the sake of this one. Yes. Yeah, so that podcast, it gets like 20 downloads an episode. <laughs> Schlemiels says, what happens if Sam Darnold balls out? To me, nothing happens. I mean, it's good for Sam. I already know what Sam Darnold is. Everybody should know what Sam Darnold is. Do we really need to see him play? And can I just say, and I was on 95-7 the game earlier today talking about this. Shouldn't Sam Darnold have looked a hell of a lot better against second and third string people than he looked? I mean, they didn't score any points. Like, what did he do that was so spectacular? He completed a couple passes. The first possession he was in, they turned it over on downs. The second one ended in a fumble, which, of course, isn't Sam's fault. Shame on him for throwing to Cameron Latu. Um, The third one ended in a missed 58-yard field goal, so they couldn't get any closer than that. Like, shouldn't Sam Donald have looked way better than he did to justify that he's the back quarterback over Trey Lance? Here's the thing about Sam Donald. If Sam Donald comes in and balls out, Okay, we've seen him do that in real NFL games. That's not his issue. His issue is consistency. Right. Yes, he has very high-level capabilities, and that has come through in a handful of games in his career. The problem is, is normally he follows that up sometime in the next couple of weeks with a stinker like his last start in Carolina when he was, what, what was it, like 5 of 17 with two or three picks? You know, he he's somebody that's not consistent, and that's the whole problem with him. Now, I have argued, and I think you're, you are way too far out on Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is somebody that you want as a backup because you want, as a backup, somebody that can come in and maybe give you that high level. You know, you can't expect a backup to come in and do it week in, week out. Nobody has that backup in the NFL. But he could come in and save the day for two, three, maybe even a four-game stretch be serviceable, be good enough. That's all you can ask for as a backup. I do think he's a good backup in the NFL. I just think that if something happens to Brock Purdy, you better be seeing what you have in Trey Lance. So here's Sam Darnold's magical six games. And I literally have this as a Word document on my computer. I can tell. Look, (laughs) it's not been good. And the game you're talking about, the Saints game, the last one, 5 of 15 for 43 yards in the game with two picks and two fumbles. Mm -hmm. Like, And he gets credit for that sam can you imagine if trey lance was 5 of 15 for 43 yards with two picks can you imagine like he's never had a game like that and to me that guy can't be your backup quarterback because you want a high floor and sam Darnold is a high variance guy 
So that's not a backup quarterback. That's not what you want. What you want is a Brock Purdy style player, right? Guy that can come in cold, have success quickly, not afraid to let it rip when he sees it and trust the system and a guy that can instill confidence in the team. That's the kind of guy you want. What you're describing as a starter. That's my issue. Yeah. Ideally you have Brock Purdy as a backup. Cause that means you have an elite quarterback as a starter. Like Brock Purdy is not a backup quarterback from what we saw. Right. So you well, can't saying, expect that to be your backup. I'm Backups that- in the NFL are awful. Chase Daniel had a 10 plus year career and got paid decent money throughout that career because he was somebody that was smart, could help in film review. And if he came in, he wasn't going to the bet. That's what most teams find is acceptable as mm-hmm. their backup quarterback. You know, Cooper Rush but is Sam glorified. That. Cooper Rush is glorified for what he did in in uh dallas right he didn't do anything special he came in and he didn't destroy the team he didn't throw a bunch of interceptions right so yeah you can prefer that as your backup somebody that's going to come in and just not destroy everything because they want to be the hero right i would rather have the guy that could come in and actually have a chance of making that big play leading a comeback or whatever i would rather take the variance then the, I know I'm not getting anything special. I'm just not going to get the turnover either. Oh, I, to me, all you want your backup quarterback to do is protect the ball. Like you, Sam Darnold will burn the forest down and he'll be the one that starts the fire. That's the problem. And yeah, he can play well. Sam Darnold behind this offensive line does worry me. Like this offensive line, you can say, well, the starters will be better. That's true. But the Niners have never been anywhere great at pass blocking in Kyle Shanahan's tenure. Part of his system does lead your quarterback to get hit. And uh, JT O'Sullivan also broke that down. If you remember that video where he dressed up like Kyle Shanahan, pretended to be Kyle Shanahan. And the point, the point was, yeah, Kyle does put his quarterback in harm's way a little bit more than the average system. But quarterbacks like Sam Darnold fumble the ball all the time. So that worries me. Him specifically being a backup behind a bad pass blocking offensive line worries the crap out of me. So I'll give you that. I mean, again, all this stuff worries you. Like we've, I feel like we've talked about this a lot. I just, it's very, very frustrating. We can can move on to this weekend. Trey has to walk on water just to get the backup spot. Anything less, they'll put him third string. I think they already have their minds made up. Exactly. Chris, exactly. He has to walk on water to even have a shot. And he knows this every throw, Mm -hmm. every drop back, every incompletion, you, you know, if I were him, I would have been super pissed at Jordan Mason for dropping that screen path. Oh, like, yeah. I'm sure Trey has that in his mind every single snap. And you can't tell me that doesn't screw with a guy. You can't tell me that. And you can't say, well, he should just block it out and overcome it. And like, these guys aren't robots. It, it's not, you can't just say that. Like, these people are human beings, they have human emotions. And I just, that's where I think we are right now. And if he doesn't walk on water against the Chargers, I think people are just going to be continue to, to say the same things about him again and again and again. Here, here's my thing that I'm, I think 100%. If Kyle Shanahan has Trey Lance as number three, if that's where he's at with Trey Lance and we're going into the season, move Trey Lance. Doesn't matter what you get, even if you can't get anything. You got to move him because you're getting him off your books for next year so that you don't have any more of the dead cap hit next year, right? Go ahead and move him. If he's number three behind Sam Darnold, there's zero reason for him to remain on this roster. Zero. 
Well, you're not going to turn to him if Brock Purdy goes down, if he's number three. So you might as well, even if it's no value at all, the value, if you can't get even like a fifth round pick for him, the value of moving him for nothing is that he's off your books next year when his cap hit goes up to actually a pretty decent number, right? The problem is, and it's the same problem they ran into with Jimmy Garoppolo last year. You can't do Donald to stay healthy. Darnold's never well, played a full season in his career. So that you when you're when your backup guy, your safety valve is is unreliable, then you do need a good third string quarter. And that's literally exactly what they ran into last year. Because Trey got hurt and Mr. Never Stays Healthy, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't stay healthy. And Sam Darnold has been the exact same way in his career. He has never played a full season. So you do need a good third string quarterback. And I don't know, did you see the article from Kyle Kami that said if they could get a conditional fourth for Trey, they would take it in a second? I, I don't know if that's true or not. Like, that could very well be true. It also sounds really low to me, but that's me. <laughs> this team does seem to be completely out on. I do want to put this out there since we were talking about Raheem Mostert. It does raise your eyebrows of what happens if Tua gets another concussion. You have Mike McDaniel, which was part of the team when they decided Trey Lance was worth the number three overall pick. And you have Raheem Mostert, who's a former teammate who came to Trey Lance's defense. So clearly he's somebody that Raheem Mostert likes, right? And there's also Jeff Wilson. I don't know what Jeff Wilson's opinion is, but you at least would have, you know, a coach that has some familiarity with him already, a similar system. You know, Mike McDaniel, I think is, broken that system a little bit broken away from that system a little bit more than the other understudies of the Kyle Shanahan and McVeigh people, but it's a similar system. And then you have teammates that are already going to, if he's traded for come in and say, Hey, this guy deserves a chance, you know, and, and have his back to kind of help him step into the leadership role. If something were to happen to Tua that that was part of what I thought when I saw Mostert come to his defense, it was like, Hmm, that definitely makes Miami the most likely uh, destination if it takes a Tua injury, I think, for that to happen. though. Well, concussion specifically because he's had so many. If he gets a concussion, the Dolphins should tell him, we're not playing you ever again. Well, the problem is, that, yeah, I mean, he he may retire. He said it himself that he talked about retirement. So maybe the plan for the Dolphins is like, we have Mike White here. So Mike White will be the quarterback this year. But if we trade for Trey, give him a whole year to learn our system. And then maybe we try and go forward with Trey Lance as our yeah, friend. You don't you don't trade for Trey Lance and say we're going to sit him again. No, well, you if don't you trade for Trey Lance, you're playing him. You might give him a couple of weeks to get up to speed, but you're playing him. I disagree. I I think they would do the complete opposite. They'd be no, like, you're playing him because if he craps the bed, you know that going into the offseason, I got to find a quarterback. You're not going to sit and wait and go, well, I hope Trey Lance is the real deal because we don't have anything else the following season. That is oh. a team that expects to be able to compete for a Super Bowl. So they're going to want to find out right away. I don't think they're at that level quite yet, but they're going to want to find out right away if something happens to Tua to where they know Tua is no no longer going to be around. Well, if if that's your philosophy, then you're making the same mistake the 49ers made. If you think, I'm going to trade for Trey Lance during during training camp or maybe during the season, he's going to have to learn a system that's different than the system he's learned during the year, come in and play, and if he doesn't show out, then we're out on him, then you're doing the exact same problem the 49ers did. So I, I disagree. If I were Miami, if I was going to make that move, I would sit him for another year. Again, he's younger than literally nine rookies on the 49ers, so it's not like he, you know, have to worry about his age. So that's what I would do. But anyway, that's that's a Dolphin <laughs> problem. That's not a, a 49ers problem. Other stuff I want to see this weekend. I want to see more Ronnie Bell, man. 
He looked good as a receiver. He looked good. I loved it. I think that I like, I'm not, I could be convinced that he should be the third down receiver over Jawan Jennings. I could be convinced. I need to see more consistency. I was going to say, we got to know whether or not it's going to be consistent. Yeah. But we also got to know, here's the thing that uh, Jawan Johnson has, or Juan Johnson has, uh, that Michelle constantly overlooks when she criticizes him. His run blocking. Yes. That you can say, well, wide receiver run blocking shouldn't be important. It is in this system. We know that. And the problem is, is if you only bring him in on third down when he's money for receiving, then teams know, right? So you got to play him on first and second down when one, you get the value of his run blocking Two, you're not tipping your hand constantly. Right. And you can't just have him in. Oh, he's so great as a run blocker, but not good as a receiver. Like Michelle likes to talk about, but you can't just play him on first and second down because the teams know, okay, they're running because he's in right. You can't yeah. tip your hand. So that's why he plays as much as he does. It's because of his run blocking. Now, if you get somebody that can actually be a difference maker as a receiver, I think Johnson's going to take a step back. You know, he's not going to be the number three. The problem is they haven't had another guy there that can be a difference maker consistently as a receiver. Ronnie Bell looks like he could potentially be that. I had him. Uh, you know, I wrote the article about, you know, who who rose and who, stock up, stock down. I had him in the stock up. But then he had that drop that led to the interception. And it's like, mm, he's still stock up, sort of. But he, there was enough negatives there. I, I was actually going to have him as stock up as a wide receiver, stock down as a returner. Because yeah. he, didn't, he didn't look – he wasn't making good decisions as the returner. He he was catching the ball even with a guy one yard in his face. That That's playing with fire. He should not be a returner. I totally agree. Steven Duckett says Jennings, not Johnson. I know you know his oh, name is Johnson. You just happen to say Johnson. Like, let's, let's calm down here. It, it's because – Going back to Purdue, Purdue had an All-American basketball player about ten years ago. That Nobody was Juwan cares. Johnson. No one. His name cares. was Juwan Johnson. So those two constantly get messed up in my head. Chris Maldonado says, "I want to see Bosa get signed." Yes, Chris. We all want to see Nick Bosa get signed. I, I think it will happen not this week, but next week. I think after the second preseason game, they're going to want to get him signed so that he gets two weeks to get up to speed. Not that the, he'll play in the third preseason. I don't think he would. But we'll get back to the the Broncos game in a minute, but just on the Bosa thing, it all comes down to the deadline. And I think the Niners and Bosa probably look as week one as the deadline. I think they probably think if he signs a week before we have to play, we're good. We're fine. So week one is yeah. the deadline and that's, what's going to spur action. Cause that's what always happens in these contract negotiations. Nobody wants to back down. Everybody's going to puff out their chest and until the deadline actually comes. And then it's like, uh Oh, there are consequences. Right. If we don't compromise, then nobody compromises. So I think that they will. Um, I, I know some people are like freaking out about it. Like I'm not there yet. They will. Um, it's frustrating as all hell because this should have been done by now. But yeah, the Niners are, if they're digging in on anything, they're stupid. Pay him what he wants. Like you don't <laughs> have a choice. But one of the things I want to see is the linebackers. You know, that that is the big undecided position, I would say at this point on the team. Who's that third linebacker? And I, I mean, I don't think it's any big surprise. I would be rooting for Jalen Graham. I didn't think he had a true chance until we saw him in the preseason, but he's a Purdue guy. So that's my preference, but I do want to see like, so I was watching that on defensive snaps because I didn't really care what happened on the defensive line. Um, I was watching the linebackers to see how well they filled the lanes and were able to avoid the blockers while still filling a lane. And I didn't see it 
very good from McCrary Ball, and I didn't see it very good from D. Winters. I didn't see them filling lanes very well. They were they were filling the lanes, but they were just going right at the blocker. And so then they would get occupied, and the run game would get blocked as their offense wanted. It's like, yeah, you got to fill that lane, but you also got to avoid the blocker. You don't just run right at him and go, oh, <laughs> I got in the lane. No, because they're going to push you out if you do that. And I, what I saw from Jalen Graham is he was – yeah, he was filling lanes, but he was purposely avoiding going underneath, going to the side, trying to get away from the blockers, not just running right at them. Yeah, and I would like to see somebody step up. I mean, Niners generally been pretty good about finding linebackers. You know, Dre Greenlaw, fifth round pick, one you know, fantastic player, Aziz Alshire, fantastic player. Like they've generally been okay with this. Johnny Holland seems to know what he likes. So you all all you need for the Niners is one of Jalen Graham or D winners to be good. Not even great, just just solid. Just one of those guys. Just hit 50%, you know? Like it's not out of the realm of possibility that one of those guys could be a solid player for them this year. I will be curious to see if we if we see it at all. Like let's say none of these guys were really great and none of them truly stepped up. Do we get a little bit of a wrinkle where they take a defensive end, maybe clean uh, Cleveland Farrell's capable of doing it. Maybe Drake Jackson's capable of doing it. Stand him up and make him a, a linebacker who blitzes a, a lot, but is capable of dropping into a kind of a simple underneath coverage a few times to keep the defense being honest, right? We, I think we could see that wrinkle where we have a defensive end come in and be standing up on an early rundown because that gives you basically a second big body as long as they're capable of filling a lane, which I think those guys are quick enough athletic enough to be able to do that it's just whether or not they have any skills whatsoever and coverage to be able to do a simple kind of zone spot underneath i like i'm all for it man do it mix now's the time right Right. let's try some (laughs) you know let's let's see it especially from the defensive perspective um a lot of people are saying danny gray is a kick returner just because you're fast doesn't necessarily mean you're good at it and he doesn't have a ton of experience at it that's the problem and first and foremost, like I, you need a guy back there that can just catch the damn ball consistently. Like I mm-hmm. never, ever, ever want to have to worry about a guy catching the football. And if you don't have a ton of experience, it's not easy to do. It's freaking hard. Yeah. Punt, punting, punt returner is much harder because one, they're harder to catch. Yeah. Um, and two, you got to be able to read where the guys are at. Whereas a kick return, you're never going to have a guy right in your face when you're catching. The guy I would like to see as a kick returner I don't know that I would trust him as a punt returner. Like I said, that's a completely different ball game that you have no idea what they're capable of doing, you know, but I would love to see Eli Mitchell as a kick returner, because what is kick returning? You need speed, you need quickness, and you need ball carrier vision. you got to be able to see where the lanes are going to be. Well, he's a running back. Would he be good in that role? I think he could be an answer as a kick returner. I think he'd get hurt immediately. Well, the- that but- that's, that's the rub, but he has all the speed and quickness that you want as a kick returner. And he's shown a pretty pretty good ball carrier vision and a willingness to see it and hit it, right? And that's what you want as a kick returner. Walton 101 says, does Danny Gray actually exist? I've yet to see much compelling evidence. It's outstanding work by Walton. But I'm on Twitch at Stats on Fire. Feel free to follow me there as well. Um, the kick return thing is going to be, they got to settle it. And Deshaun Jameson looked good uh, in week one. I really like what I saw from him. Now I'd like to see him get a chance to return a kick and have it actually count where somebody doesn't hold somebody, but uh, I'll be keeping my eye on that. The linebackers thing I think is legit. Uh, I'd like to see a little more Ty Davis price. I need to know if that's real. He looked good. Uh, And with running backs, I'm a lot quicker to declare a guy like 
somebody that can be an actual player than I am with quarterbacks. I think it's a far less complicated position. Um, and he looked really good. So I like that. I like to see somebody on the backup offensive line look good. Somebody, whether it's, you know, Zakel, Jason Poe, anybody, please, somebody look good so that I can have. I want to see progress. And I, I think we should have a caveat here a little bit for, you know, how bad that preseason went. It certainly seemed like, and we've seen it reported now, that the Raiders did game planning for that game, which to me is kind of dirty. Crazy. You don't game plan for preseason, you I, I think that was a McDaniels being McDaniels. You know, he wanted to stick it to Kyle Shanahan. Oh, I don't think he wanted to stick it to Kyle. I think he's like, I've been getting my ass kicked here. I need to look good. I need some yeah. positivity. I, I, I would bet that there's a little bit. Josh McDaniels was seen as, you know, the, the young, great offensive guy. And then he pulled out of that Colts position being the head coach. And he kind of fell to the wayside. And now it's been Kyle Shanahan and all of Kyle Shanahan's understudies that have taken that young offensive you know savant and i think there's a little bit of a rub there plus there i don't think there's a lot of uh uh love between the raiders and niners and i i do wonder if that played a role too and maybe mark davis said hey stick it to him i don't know i mean do you agree to joint practices with somebody if you want to stick it maybe you do i don't know who I mean, that, that is the question mark because the niners got from what we saw every report the niners got worked in those yeah, it's true. Uh, that's really funny. If uh, yeah, Greg Papa, I think, is the one that said that the Raiders game planned for the game, which is like certainly Greg Papa has Raiders sources, right? He called right. Raiders games for years. So I, you know, that may be one area where I actually trust what he says. Now, when he says that Sam Darnold's going to challenge Brock Purdy for QB one, that's where I, you know, I get off off the train at that point. But for this specific thing, when it comes to the Raiders and him having knowledge of what they may or may not have been doing, yeah, I do believe it. Yep. We're going to see how they respond. If the Niners look as crappy, even without starters again in this preseason, I know it's preseason, but getting worked in the joint practices and then worked in back-to-back preseason games, I'm going to start sounding that alarm a little bit of, is this team going to have another slow-ass start? Is Kyle Shannon not going to have this team ready again? Like, are you guys going to take it for granted? Oh, we're going to be back in the NFC Championship game to take it to the Eagles this time. Don't take it for granted. Come out and actually win some games. Treaty like 2019. Did you watch the brick by brick that came out that the 49ers put out the first episode? I didn't know they did, but I've been working every day, so I could have missed it. So they came out with brick by brick. It's their little like behind the scenes series. I don't think there's much that can be gained from watching it because it's clearly it's it's heavily. Yeah, it's heavily edited. Yeah, yeah. heavily edited. But they did show a clip of the meeting with Kyle Shanahan. And one thing that I loved is. He told the team, like, I think we can be great, but right now we're not he said. And we have to go out and actually be great. We're at the bottom of the mountain. So hopefully that is the message that he's sending to them. I'd like to see at least some of the starters play in this game. Just like a series. Just something. Especially uh, Brock, we don't know. I really want to see Brock play. Like, be fair to Brock. Put him in a situation where (laughs) he doesn't have to come in cold against the Steelers. Here's the thing. There's only six days between this preseason game and the next one. So right. that I think that's part of why we won't see starters in this one. Maybe one or two of like the lesser people. To le- like I would like to see McKivitz, you know, get him some more experience, right? But I think with this only being six days between and they want to treat that third game as like the true rehearsal 
because after that you have 13 days off. I hate that. I just don't I don't I hate I hate the schedule of the preseason. Don't only have three games, have two weeks between the last one and the regular season, but then have number two and number three be a short week. No. Have number one to two maybe be a short week, so then your starters can play two, have a normal week off to play in number three. I think the way it's set up, it is is set up in a way where teams are feeling like we can't play our starters until week three. How about the fact that, and this is just my personal thing, the Chargers game, the third week of the preseason, starts at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's going to kill me. (laughs) I'm going to go to sleep at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Sorry, that's just my selfish thing. But anyway, yeah, is there anything else you want to see? Uh, did you see that um, Ambry Thomas was working with the ones outside mm-hmm. in practice and they moved Lenore to the slot? I don't know what the hell Isaiah Oliver has been doing in practice. And I know he didn't look great in the game, but damn, like Kyle flat out said, like yeah. he ain't guaranteed to be the starter. Yeah. And he's like their big free agent acquisition other than Davon Hargrave that they brought in. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look good. Uh, I did see that they might be doing what some of the teams have done in the past. Uh, I think the Niners did it. Uh, about 15 years ago, uh, Matt Barrows put that out there, um, where you have your outside guy, right, which will be Lenore as the technical starter. But when you do go nickel and you need that slot corner, Lenore comes inside and Thomas goes outside. So Thomas is kind of a uh, a starter, kind of not, you know, depends on what they're in. But that I could see happening. Then if Lenore is your best slot and everybody else has been untrustworthy there, right. you got to put him in the slot when you need it. But he's also your second best outside corner after Mooney Ward. So when you're not running nickel and you only have two corners out there, you would want Lenore on the outside. That's something I, I could see happening. And Michelle is actually the one that pointed this out to me last year. The Niners got cooked on slot fades last year repeatedly it was the like again and again and again and i'm sure the niners are aware of this so that's obviously something that they need to get fixed well, up that's why they signed oliver it's just right. a, I, like you said i don't know what's going on with oliver uh, i don't know if it's somewhere like he got a deal so he thinks i got my spot secured and he okay. you know didn't come in prepared or or what's going on with him you know maybe he's got a little bit of a stinger that hasn't been reported we've seen that in the past too <laughs> The 49ers not being totally truthful with injuries? I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, There was one other comment here on Trey Lance that I wanted to get to that was a little bit older, but I didn't get to it. Uh, Fire the Great, again, says, Lance just needs to get the feel. Look at Deshaun Watson. He went from arguably a top-five quarterback to a year and a half off, came back and looked like a bottom-of-the-NFL quarterback. That's true. Did you you see the retweet about Deshaun Watson today? Uh, He's looked awful, right? They have not scored a touchdown in 11-on-11s with him as the quarterback, but they've scored him when he's not the quarterback. Let's, uh, let's just say Deshaun Watson is on my do-not-draft list. I don't care where he's at. I'm not drafting him in fantasy for, you know, even even if he didn't have all the off-field stuff, he, he would be somebody that I would not want to draft because he didn't look good last year, and reports are he's ruined. His reports. Thank, thank God that's not our problem. Can you imagine if that's what we had to talk about? fully guaranteed contract for Deshaun Watson too. But, but the point that I want to take away from this comment is even if you're great time away can really have an effect on you and impact you. It's like, you don't just come back and automatically pick up, you know, where you left off. And so again, I know people are very impatient with Trey and he's had three years and all this stuff. And I do think that the, the fact that it's been such a hurry up and wait, start and stop kind of thing 
has eroded people's willingness to be patient with Trey Lance. But and look, Michelle says I have blinders on, and maybe I do. Okay, I just am not ready to bail on this guy after four freaking starts. Johnny Manziel got twice as many starts. He didn't work. He didn't watch a second of film. Okay. Jamarcus Russell, the biggest bust in history, right? Got six times as many starts as Trey Lance. And Sam freaking Donald, who's ahead of him right now in the depth chart, got 13 times more starts than Trey Lance. I'm just not ready to say that we know that he can't do it. Look, I've said it before on this show. I'm not out on Trey Lance. I'm not done with him. But I am disappointed with how far along he is. You can learn when you're the backup. There are things you can improve on that. I don't see, I didn't see anything in that preseason game that, that didn't look like a rookie. And How that's disappointing. He changed his throwing motion and is, is a more accurate passer. I mean, we're not giving him any credit for that. Steve Young said on KMBR that Trey's a better player than he was, that he gave him credit for going this offseason and working on stuff that he's not good at. And that a lot of guys don't do that. A lot of guys only work on the stuff that they are good at. He doesn't get any credit. No one even talked about that, that the fact that all the mechanical changes that he's made actually look like they stuck in the game, which is very yeah. rare. But let, let's see. We got we got to know more on whether or not he's actually more accurate, right? One game can't. One preseason game is not going to prove that. Let it rip, Trey. That's, get that's, it there. That's literally, which is ironic because that's what he, that's what everybody says he does. He's willing to let it rip deep a lot more than anybody else. Well, we didn't see that. Now, granted, I think the offensive line play was so bad that they didn't call too many deep shots opportunities because they knew the offensive line wasn't going to hold up. The other thing, though, with that, and I think you saw it with Darnold, sometimes you don't always need to take, you know, a seven-step drop before you unleash a deep pass. If you're reading pre-snap, like, this guy's going to be open. I think that's what Darnold did. Credit. I think he looked and he was like, yep, this route's going to be open. And he just dropped back. I think he took three steps and let it fly. That's. I actually went back last night and watched the – Lance touchdown to Danny Gray against the Packers. He does the exact same thing. It's like a three mm-hmm. step drop or maybe not three, maybe it's five, but he's quick. Like he just lets it go. Cause that's where he's, you know, thinks that the matchup is going to be successful. Uh, Jed watching says stats. You say you don't want to bail on Trey. So what's the solution? Would you pick up his fifth year option? Cause he can't start. I'm not sure how Trey ever works for us. That's why I want him to play this year. So you find out what to do next year. Cause they're going to run into that situation where it's like, we don't know what the heck is going on. And look, maybe he gets an opportunity to play this year because guys get hurt. We don't know. But that's why I want the information. You know, I, I really want the information. And I don't think that this whole Super Bowl window thing, I think that's a that's a handy excuse to, to do whatever you want, basically. Super Bowl window, we can't play Trey Lance. Okay, but you didn't sign any of the veteran pass rushers that are out there. Why not? You're in a Super Bowl window. Super Bowl window, but we have Colton McKivitz as our starting right tackle, a guy that we ourselves said wasn't good enough to make this team. Like he had been, they let him go. Now he's back, but it's a Super Bowl window, right? So it's like you, you can't have it both ways. Some of us knew at the time, <laughs> cough you and me, uh, <laughs> but in retrospect, it is 100% clear. Trey Lance's time to play was 2021, his rookie year. And Kyle Shanahan caved to veterans who were 100% in the wrong, who should have been told, shut the hell up and play. You're being dead wrong here. You're showing allegiance to a player rather than the team. That was the opportunity there. The way, and I think Kyle Shanahan was doing that. That's why Trey Lance was in there. You know, he was giving them some confidence, giving them some gimmies so that they could move to him later in the season. 
as he continued to progress and the veterans put him into it. And that's the mistake that Kyle Shanahan did. He didn't put them in their place. He listened to them. Terrible. He wasn't a leader. Leaders do things that are unpopular because they're for the betterment of the group. And Kyle didn't do that. And let's be honest. They started two and three that year, two and four, really. So, like, they had justification for making a switch if they wanted to, but they didn't. Uh, William Bonnet says, eight and nine record this year. Too many questions, too tough of a schedule. Pittsburgh, Giants, Dallas, Cleveland, Cincy, Baltimore, Seattle, Jacksonville, Philly, all losses. Those are all playoff teams. Wrong? I, I don't think they're losing to the Giants. If you lose to the freaking Giants, keep in mind, the 49ers had the best record against playoff teams last year in the league. They were four and one against playoff teams. The only playoff team they lost to was the Chiefs, who won the damn Super Bowl. So, you know, Pittsburgh, it's going to be tough, but uh, the Niners are the favorite in that game for a reason. They should not lose to the Giants. They have kicked the tar out of the Cowboys when they've played them. So I don't know why you would be worried about that one. Cleveland, I got to see it before I believe it. Cincinnati is going to be tough. Baltimore will be tough. Seattle, I'm still in the see it before I believe it boat, considering they beat their ass three times last year. Jacksonville is going to be tough and Philly is going to be very tough. So I don't automatically chuck those up to all losses for the Niners. I think eight, nine is probably the low like that. That's the worst case scenario. I could see the Niners falling to eight, nine. And the way that happens is Brock Purdy is terrible, throws a bunch of interceptions and Kyle Shanahan remains alone and stubborn and refuses to replace him or replaces them with Sam Darnold. Who's just as bad or worse. Right. <laughs> so I think that's the low. If, if, all of the quarterback stuff breaks bad. They would be eight and nine. Now, I think they're very likely to win minimum 10 games. And depending on what Brock Purdy is, they could win as many as 13, maybe even 14. You know, Brock Purdy looks as good or even improved a little bit from last year. They're winning 13, 14 games. But he's probably going to be somewhere in the middle to where He's Jimmy Garoppolo who can get out of a sack or two a game, right? And in that scenario, they probably win 11, 12 games. Yeah. The other thing with Brock, too, is that I feel like we got to be prepared for him to have a worse year than last year. Not a bad year. A worse year than last year because he threw at least two touchdowns in every regular season start last year. Like, you can go look at Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't throw two touchdowns every week. You know, so we have to brace ourselves for that, too. And that doesn't mean that the Niners would lose those games, by the way. I'm just saying expecting two touchdowns a week from Brock Purdy is not fair to Brock Purdy. Right. Like <laughs> two touchdowns a game is 34 touchdowns in a season. Like that shouldn't be the expectation. That should be the hope. Right. The hope for me with Brock Purdy is he has 30 plus touchdowns. If he has 30 plus touchdowns. I can live with 17 interceptions. Right. I wouldn't want to see it. Can we, can we, what about like 12? Can we put it down in that area? <laughs> 30 and 12 is like way, way, like really, really good. Like that's the best season since Steve Young was the quarterback. Now, all, I, I'm not saying what I hope for. I'm saying I hope for 30 touchdowns. The interceptions are going to be what they are going to be. Obviously, I hope for a lot less than 17. But if he throws 30 touchdowns, I can live with him throwing an interception a game. Yes. I mean, the, the bigger more big impactful plays you make, the more mistakes you can make. That was why we got so frustrated with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. He turned the ball over, but he never made the big plays to make up for it. Right. That was the frustrating thing. Mr. Blue magic, 23, 10 and seven this year, strength of schedule, travel injuries, slow start as always. The schedule is it's tough for the Niners. They got a, a big rest disadvantage that they didn't have last year. 
Uh, it's not going to be as easy for the Niners. Uh, and they did lose some depth too. So, you know. And I think they have perhaps a worst case scenario week one matchup. Going to the East Coast, Eastern time zone against maybe the best pass rush in the entire league. How encouraged will you be though? Like if they hold up, whether it's the line playing better than we think or Brock evading guys, like if they go in there and, and hold up, you're like, damn, if they could do that against the Steelers, like we'll be Look, okay. Let's be clear. The offensive line will not hold up against that defensive line because no <laughs> offensive line is holding up against that defensive line. That defensive line is ridiculous with TJ. I know Philly had the what 70 sacks last year, but they lost Hargrave and TJ Watt was out for a large majority of the season. They, they, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, they just signed him to a big extension. I think he had like nine and a half sacks last oh, year. Right. And then they have another young guy that is supposedly doing extremely well in pass rush in mm-hmm. camp that I've been seeing reports on. That defensive line is ridiculous. And the offensive line will not hold up. Now, maybe Brock Purdy can work his magic and get out of some of those sacks. But it's not going to be the offensive line blocking. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> it's not that I'm down on the offensive line. Let's be clear. I'm not saying there's no way that a crappy offensive line of the Niners can hold up. I'm saying no offensive line is holding up against that pass rush. They are coming for poor William Bonnet in the chat. And I apologize if I'm saying if it's Bonnet, I'm saying your name wrong. Forgive me. He says it's not unrealistic. Nine and eight sophomore quarterback loss of a lot of depth. And if it's close games, we have a rookie kicker. 10 and seven could swing to eight or nine easily. Hope not. The rookie kicker thing is real. And by the way, shame on us for not mentioning Jake Moody and what we want to see. Because, you know, dude, I got to see it in the game. He in practice, he was killing it. He was five of six the other day. He made one kick from 59, one kick from 58, and he missed one from 61 was his only miss. Like, that's great. But I got to see you do it in games. And I'm not saying he can't. And I'm not freaking out over because he missed two kicks in the first preseason game. But if he misses all his kicks or a bunch of kicks in this week, then I will be a little scared. Not going to lie. It was my big question mark with him. I brought it up at draft time with you. He had a terrible kick percentage on the road in college. He made 89, I think, percent of his kicks at Michigan at home. He only made 69 or 68 percent of his kicks on the road. Now, what happens on the road? There's more pressure. You, you don't have the crowd supporting you, right? It's harder to kick there. So I think on the road is a better simulation for yeah. kicking in the NFL when stakes are higher, you know, actual money is on the line. People's careers are on the line, right? If he, he might be one of these guys that's great in practice, but when the pressure's on, he waltz. And if that's the case, and then we could be looking for a kicker at week five, six. Robbie that, Gold. That is a possibility. I don't <laughs> think there's any way they're cutting them, right? Uh, they're they're going to see what he can do in actual games, especially well, with them doing well in practice. But yeah. if he is shanking stuff in you know two three four games in they're gonna go to that free agent yep i agree they're not gonna cut him before the season begins unless he like you know is absolutely horrible but i don't think that's gonna happen but yeah and he wouldn't be the first one like uh daniel carlson's one of the best kickers in the league right now he got something off and he was absolutely horrendous i think it was what with minnesota and they had to cut him and then he went down to Oakland and turned his career around, or is it the other way? Was it that he was in Oakland, then he went to – I can't remember how it started out. But he he had a streak where he missed something like six straight field goals. And then they had to move on from him, and then the next place he went, he was suddenly great because he got to reset. Yeah, he started with Minnesota. Um, 
and he was one of four with in two games with Minnesota and they cut him. And then he went to Oakland and was 16 of 17. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same season, right? Yeah. In the same yeah, year. Same year. Right. That That is a distinct possibility that Moody could miss some more kicks. And now he's really starting to get into the mental stuff and there's nothing the team can do to help him because until he can get released and reset, he's never, he's never going to be able to get, get out of it. You know, it is a very big mental thing. It's like golf. Kicking is golf. Carlson uh, has made 88% of his field goals in his career. So you're telling me a guy could struggle early and the team could let go of him too soon and he could go to another team and have success. <laughs> I mean, they could also hold on to him and he, and he gets out of it. Uh, Janikowski, the highest drafted kicker of all time. He only made like 60% of his kicks as, as a rookie, but they stuck with him and he turned it all around. He ended up, I think he's what, like fourth all time in field goals made. I think I mean, he played 18 years in the league. Well, yeah, but people like Morton Anderson played like 24 years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now you got me curious about kickers. So I'm scrolling. You know what? We don't need to do this as podcast. <laughs> Not afterwards. Anyway, thank you everybody so much for all the people in the chat, all the questions and comments and donations. We really, really appreciate it. If you want to support the channel, become a YouTube channel member. It's less than $3 a month. Levin, I'm going to talk to you again on Saturday night. Hopefully we're talking about Trey Lance looking good. God damn it. You're also going to talk to me on Sunday morning because it's going to be after midnight (laughs) on East Coast. Well, hope everybody joins us for the instant reaction shows. They're a ton of fun. We loved having everybody back after week one. Again, we like those to be as interactive as possible. So please, please, please join us. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.